this boom and now we are live everybody welcome to how multi-unit brands successfully market at the local level i'm joined today by liz basner from a w restaurants liz how are you i'm doing very well how are you i'm great i think asking people how they are is a great way to start a conversation because it seems natural it does it does. and it also just seems it's polite and appropriate so i like it yeah i mean i could start with like what's your favorite pizza topping which is what i asked the guy that gave me my covid vaccination he was surprised because I don't think anybody talks to those people. I don't think that they, what was his answer? Do you want to guess? Is it pineapple? It was. Wow, that was awesome. How'd you guess that? Is it because of the shirt? <laughs> no, because that's my favorite topping. And I assume that the best people also love it. <laughs> wow, that was an insane guess. I would think most people would go to pepperoni, but you nailed that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the interview's done. I guess we're done. <laughs> everybody have a great day. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm done for the week. Thank you very much. The so Liz, for everybody that, that's either watching this live or watching this later, give give them two minutes about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I uh, I work for AW Restaurants here in the U.S. I've been with the brand for almost ten years, which is nuts. Uh, it's the longest that I've ever worked anywhere uh, in a decade. Just seems like a very long time. I've always worked on the marketing team and my specific interest has always been digital. Um, that's grown over the last couple of years. Um, but my favorite things are media for sure. Um, I love local store marketing, which is like a huge cornerstone of just our entire brand strategy. Um, I have gotten more involved in the development and franchising side of the business, which has been super interesting to move from sort of that consumer focus to more of a franchising focus. Our brand is growing, which is really exciting. Um, and then most recently, I've gotten involved in some more product development, some calendar planning, um, and some more strategic things like that. But um, yeah, I'm excited today to talk about marketing. And specifically for us, local store marketing has always been a really huge focus um, in terms of the way that our advertising payments work. Only a half a percent goes to national and four and a half percent of that total 5% advertising payment goes and stays local. So we really have tremendous flexibility in what our franchisees can do locally. Um, and I think that's really what's helped us succeed, especially in the last year. Um, we had a record breaking year in 2020, which is awesome. And we're really excited about uh, because I know, you know, 14 months ago, I think a lot of us were wondering if restaurants would be a thing or like what was going to happen. And so um, we saw some really positive results in terms of sales and the success that some of our, our franchisees have had. Um, and so for us right now, it's all about like sort of harnessing those learning opportunities and figuring out how we can keep that momentum going uh, throughout this year and then also into next. That's awesome. Congratulations, by the way. It's an incredible feat that you guys pulled off last year. Now, let, let, let's set the tone for everybody because I'm familiar with what you do. And I'm sure people are familiar with A&W, but how many total locations are there? So in the United States, we've got about 550. Um, and then for A&W Restaurants, Inc., which is um, who I work for, uh, the only country we're not associated with is Canada. Uh, they've been their own separately owned and operated company since the 70s. Uh, we've got about another 300, 340 locations overseas. Uh, most of them are in Southeast Asia. Wow, so many locations. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, how many of them are corporate stores? Uh, three. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a franchise model, right? Like these are all owned by independent business owners. Right. They are. And what makes our business unique as well in the QSR space is we're actually owned by our franchise association. So where a lot of QSRs have like an advisory council or an advisory board, um, ours is much more than that. Um, and it's made up of 
restaurant owners, AW restaurant owners. Um, most of them are either single unit operators or they have like a handful of restaurants, um, but there's not many who have um, sort of a, a large footprint in terms of the territories that they cover. Um, and all of our decisions that are made about the brand, whether it's standards or menu or uniform or equipment or like whatever it is, all of those have to be run through that board first and they vote on it. So we're really run by our franchisees and they don't just have a say in what happens with the brand. They actually dictate and, and vote. They make the standards. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's literally small business owners, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not like oh, I have 300 stores. It's like I got one, I got two, maybe mm -hmm. I have three. Right. And yeah. so, and I say this to people all the time and I know that it's going to resonate with you, but like, I don't care how many locations you have. The people that go to that store in that town are a local audience and it's a local business, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the audience that cares about that store is a local audience, right? Mm -hmm. And you can affect them somewhat by national branding, but like, like I go to my whatever McDonald's, my Wendy's, my Burger King, my KSU, my top, you know, mine. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, my A&W is a 75 minute drive from here. But mm -hmm. the point is, right? Anybody that goes to those stores are local, right? And in your case, the owners of those stores are small business owners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly. They have small business problems, right? Yes, they do. Um, and therefore, those are like the brand's problems. And I think that, you know, in a way that COVID sort of has highlighted that of how everything is super local, um, because there isn't one big fix. And we saw that with issues like... Um, you know, mandated shutdowns. And uh, for anybody who works for a national brand who was trying to keep track of like what rules applied where and when last year, it was almost impossible. Like we really had to rely on our, our local operators to keep up with their local ordinances, but also just to respond to not only their local consumers, um, but their staff as well. And I think that that's really what has been brought to the forefront as well. Um, you know, our, our team members and the crew at the restaurants are really the, the lifeblood of everything. You know, I'm very aware of the fact that like, uh, even though we're a franchisor, we make money when our restaurants sell food and the people who sell food at those restaurants, it's not me. Um, I can try to provide tools that help do that, but it's the people who are the crew that's working at the restaurant that is ultimately um, keeping everything sustained. And so um, I think that that was one of the big wins that we had from last year is just keeping not only in touch with our operators, but really listening to the teams and the crews that were working at those restaurants in terms of what they felt comfortable with and what they felt was working and what they were hearing from consumers. Um, so it was a really interesting time. So if we were going to list out solutions that we'll talk about in this conversation of how you uh, work at the multi-unit level, the first one is listen to the operator, right? Yeah, you should like <laughs> ask people what their issues are and what the problems are. And it's so funny because I, I also think just for me, like another learning lesson from last year is like sometimes like the the answer is actually very uh, simple. Simple doesn't mean easy because, you know, certainly some of the issues that we're hearing from different parts of the country are different. What's happening in California is different from what's happening in Iowa or what's happening in Texas. Um, and there's, there's different issues that those operators are facing, but instead of us trying to, you know, come up with some sort of like white tower solution that we could like apply to everybody, um, you've got to listen to what those individual issues are and really be able to kind of tackle and address those. Cool. Now, I don't want to make this a conversation about coronavirus, but clearly, like, we all got some lessons out of that, right? And, and when you look at a situation where you have five, 500 locations in the U.S., right? Correct? I got that number? Yep. 
you know, you have Texas and Florida who are operating very differently than New Jersey and Vermont, you know what I mean? And so now you have even have even more diverse problems you got to deal with, right? More diverse needs. Yeah. And what I think was was really fascinating for, for us to see from last year is, you know, we're, we've been around for 102 years. So our physical asset types look very different. We've got restaurants that are have been in communities for decades and are sort of like a staple, almost like a destination place. And then we're building new restaurants that are coming into markets that are maybe a little bit larger. Uh, we actually just signed a deal for Vegas, which I'm um, really excited about. It's going to be cool. Um, and so um, there's uh, just a myriad of different different areas that you're trying to address. But what we saw last year is that some of our oldest locations, which are typically like the drive-ins that people remember, they have car hop service and things like that, um, became like the only like attraction that was in that town. So when parents couldn't take their kids to a movie theater or a theme park or putt-putt or like whatever normally would happen, at least going to a drive-in was like a little bit more of an experience than just- It was something. <laughs> it was like a thing to do. Like we're not in the house, but we're still within our car. So it's like a safe environment. And there's some theater to it because there's car hops and the tray and everything. And it's a, it's a great experience. Um, and so we saw some of our smaller locations that are in like these very tiny towns have the most insane year. They were saying we can't, we cannot, we cannot keep up with this volume that's happening. It was really just interesting to hear. Um, one of the restaurants that had a really amazing year is in a, in a tiny town in Michigan. And he was just like, this has been like the busiest that I've ever been. It's, it's, we're, we've got lines out the door, like no matter what our hours are or, or anything. Um, and that people just could not get enough of, of having that AEW experience. That's awesome. Where I'm native Michigander. We're in Michigan. A uh, Dexter, Michigan. I know exactly where that is. All right, killer. Yeah, I know. For, like for my family, like we were stir crazy, much like everybody, by like June or July of last year. You know, what we did. We bought a we bought a, a foldable picnic table and put it in the trunk of the car. So like we we would just do our own drive through. Like we're like you don't cool. We'll, we'll sit in the back of your parking lot. I'll put the cha- I had picnic chairs and we just sit in the parking lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you had to like have an experience that wasn't in your house, and I totally understand. I'm an introvert, and so I thought that like when I first heard like, oh, you get to go home and be in your house. And I was like, oh, I can do this for like two or four weeks. And then I was climbing the walls. I was like excited. I remember one of the like exciting things that would happen. It's like, I'm going to go get a car wash. <laughs> I'm like, go take my car to a place, sit in a car wash. And this is going to be like an experience that's happening for a little bit. So I totally get it. <laughs> Zoom and do a Zoom call. All right. <laughs> so let, let, let's get out of COVID talk. I don't want to dwell on that. I mean, we're, we're, we're on the, we're on the backside of that thing. It's going away where everything's open up and it's awesome. What is like one tactic? And I know you have a billion, right? Pick one. Like, what is one way that, as somebody who works in HQ at the national level, how do you successfully market at the local level? Like, what's something that you guys are doing as a brand or as a marketer to help your locations? I think the one thing that comes um, immediately top of mind right now is the exploration of meals that are beyond combos. So that's been such a, a staple for us where we've been a very lunch heavy business. Um, and traditionally what we focus on in terms of our national sales events and even our, our recommended local messages has been combos. And we've really seen a resurgence in family packs or family meals. Um, which once again is one of those things that seems fairly simple, 
Um, simple doesn't mean easy because then you've got to think about things like packaging and what goes in those meals. Is it um, chicken tenders and fries? Do you add coleslaw? If you add coleslaw, what are you putting it in physically? Like what's the packaging? Does that include root beer? Does that not include root beer? If it does, is it going to be a discount on a gallon or are you going to do four individual drinks? So um, it was something that we had never really explored before um, until the last probably 12 months. Um, and we've seen some restaurants that have really had some success with that in terms of not just focusing on like an individual combo meal, but like what could feed a family of four. So we're actually doing some menu optimization testing right now um, in some of our company stores. Um, and we're exploring things like, is it chicken tenders? Is it um, a Coney dog pack? Um, is it cheeseburgers? Like what are people really responding to? Um, but it's the first time for me working with the brand that we've really focused on anything that's not specifically just combos, like on an individual meal. And like, how can we break into this sort of midway where we're not like fully catering? It's not, you know, you're looking at 20 or 25 or 30 people or whatever, but you're looking at maybe four instead of one. Well, in my, my family, that would be chicken nuggets, French fries, and then two items that have no carbs. So <laughs> I don't know if you've explored, I don't know if you explored the adults are on a diet and the kid still wants fried food combo pack or family meal, but like mm -hmm. I will buy it. So <laughs> I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down. And maybe that's our next test. <laughs> so, all right. So it sounds like a pretty cool product development. How are you getting that message out to people? Like what is the way in which you market that? Is it more of like, somebody pulls up and they see it on the menu and they're like, oh, they have this now? Or is there like some preceded marketing? So we're doing a couple of different things. Um, we found that for our restaurants who have been doing this for a while, you know, it's not necessarily one of those things. We actually had a, a data meeting about this yesterday where if I'm going through a drive-through and I'm planning on getting combo number two, I may not look and say like, oh, instead of getting one chicken sandwich, now I'm going to get 24 tenders. Like that's not really an impulse buy. So it's something that we think is building over time. Challenge accepted. Yes. I'm not saying that we want to exclude those people who are like, oh, 24 is an optional. I'll go with that. Um, but we've seen some really good success with um, off menu marketing. So people have been doing, of course, the focus has been drive through, um, but just merchandising in terms of having um, very large either wind masters or yard sign displays that are going through the drive through that sort of remind people like, oh, this is an option, maybe not for today. But when you come back next time, this is an option. Um, we've been doing some targeted email marketing around it as well, trying to send that out like towards the beginning of the week saying, hey, if you're thinking about, you know, by Thursday or Friday, if you're sick of cooking, like this might be a good option for you. Um, and then very targeted Facebook ads that are around people who have families um, or who have, um, you know, traditionally gone to places like Olive Garden or places where it's like plentiful food is sort of their thing. Maybe if you're interested in that, we can target you with this message as well. That's awesome. Um for the advertising, are you throwing out national ads? Or are you doing geo-specific? Like, how do you think about that? So we do it two ways, really. Um, this year is actually the second year. 100% of our national advertising is digital, which is very, very exciting. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Um, and so when we do those ads, a big portion of that is social media. And when we look at our social media ads, we're not just targeting around like, um, you know, five or 10 mile radius of our restaurants. For a lot of our restaurants, especially those that are in smaller towns, um, or if we know that they're doing some of this messaging, that's how we layer that in. And we say, okay, we're not just gonna target QSR intenders or people who have visited our website or whatever it is. We try to get much more granular with thinking about, okay, for this 
specific restaurant and this family pack offer that they're running, how can we make sure that this is reaching the most appropriate people? Um, and then on a local level, um, we've got someone on our team where all she does is focus on local store marketing. She talks with franchisees, I think probably more than anybody in the organization. And so what she's able to do is take these little case studies and actually the next time she talks to a franchisee when they're saying, hey, I wanna do a value message, I'm not totally sure what that's gonna be, um, but I wanna compete with McDonald's and Culver's and Dairy Queen or whoever's in their particular market, she can say, oh, well, I just talked to so-and-so and this is what they've been running, so why don't you try this? And so it's sort of a, an iteration of taking all of these learnings from different parts of the country and seeing how we can make those local messages really play in those particular markets. That's amazing. So wait, is she running uh, like 500 different localized Facebook campaigns? Is that what I just heard you say? She is not. We are running probably. Yeah, I know. Um, we're moving in that direction, though. Um, that's really the end goal. We're going to need like a, a, a few more headcounts, I think, before we're able to do that um, in, in the most successful manner. But for the franchisees who are super engaged and who do a lot of local store marketing, that is something that we've started testing out where we're like, we'll make a custom Facebook audience for you and we will we will do this targeted messaging. Um, and so that's really been growing. Um, we're actually in the process of taking all of our Facebook marketing in-house. So we've got some franchisees who are working with outside vendors and um, are maybe paying for campaign management. And what we're starting to do is, is build the infrastructure. And this is actually the, the biggest thing we were working on pre-2020 was um, taking all of that Facebook marketing in-house. So that's a service that we're actually going to be offering to our franchisees, um, hopefully in the very near future. So like you'll, you will manage uh, paid social for them. Correct. That's pretty killer. Uh, I don't want to turn this into a pitch for another product, but if you've not looked at Targetable yet, you might want to look at Targetable. I'll write that down. It's 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 basically localized. It, it removes the headache of ads manager at a local level. It's pretty cool. Well, that does, <laughs> that does sound very appealing. That's when you told me that there's somebody that's going to be managing 500 locations worth of Facebook, I was like, eee, that person might want some help. So... <laughs> Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I mean, look, th this is my opinion. You feel free to argue with it or, or agree with it. But I think people find restaurants in three major ways. Okay. First is word of mouth for sure. I tell somebody to go eat somewhere, they go eat there. Right. But word of mouth also now lives online and it's on Yelp and Google reviews. Okay. So number one, number two is for sure search, right? I'm hungry. I'm going to Google or Yelp to look for something. Right. And number three is advertising. Like those are the top three ways in which I think people find restaurants of any kind or size. Yeah, I think that that's totally true. And it's been so interesting just to see over, you know, like I said, I've been with this brand for 10 years and the, the rate at which local search has accelerated has been kind of insane. Um, you know, obviously with the, um, the way that technology is, um, is expanding and how everybody has smartphones and people are just so used to, you know, if you're looking for somewhere to eat, you're on your phone, um, for the most part. And so I think that local message is, is so important. And with Google, um, just the, the reviews and the volume of information that they're now collecting from consumers. I mean, like it or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, I know that there's uh, people who've worked in restaurants or hospitality um, or who have watched South Park, like Yelp has been like sort of a, a thing that love it or hate it. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter because that's where people are getting their information. You know, for a long time, I was the person who was responding to our company's Yelp reviews and I wasn't a big fan 
fan of it. And then when I got done for the day and I was thinking about where to go eat, I would go on Yelp. And like that's where I would find places if I was in a, in a different city. And so um, the growth of, of local reviews and, and the importance of local search. You know, one of the exercises that we did a couple of years ago was we've, we've been around for 102 years, so a little bit longer than the internet's been around. So imagine uncurated what our online presence looked like. We had restaurants open, restaurants closed, restaurants switch ownerships, uh, phone numbers change. Um, it, was a, it was a mess, just the information that was out there when we actually did like a search um, and some inventory on what it, is our information even accurate? Like, can people find us if they're trying to like put an address in a map? And it seemed like such a silly thing when we first started exploring it. And then when we got some of these reports back, I was like, this is a disaster. We really have to fix this. So um, we've been working on that the last couple of years. Um, the last uh, audit report that we did, we were at 99% accuracy, which I'm fairly uh, thrilled with based on the number that we started with. Um, but now I think the big part of it is just educating our franchisees that like this is where people are getting their information. So if you have a special and you're not using these tools and not taking advantage of these different platforms, like you're really missing a huge audience. Yeah, I think that people fail to realize that search is a part of every journey, right? Mm -hmm. The only time search is not a part of a journey is if it's like my local restaurant and I just know where it is and what time they're open. Like I have all that. At that point, I'm a frequent guest though. Right. Like even if I've been to a restaurant, I still might need directions. Right. I don't get in my car without ways. I don't even care if I'm in the neighborhood. Like what's the fastest way to get there. I think there's a lot of me out there. Right. Mm -hmm. There was also like, Oh, are they open today? What are the hours? Like, even if I've been there, like, what does that look like? Like, I just think search is a part of the journey for everybody. You know what I mean? It is. And it's gotten so much more nuanced. You know, now you can search by outdoor dining. You can search by patty. You can search by dog friendly. Like it's just getting more and more and more. And that's really important information. And as like a consumer and a restaurant lover, and I think that's one, that's one of the reasons that I've always loved talking to you so much is because you are obviously an industry expert, expert, but you love food and you love restaurants. And that like really comes through. So I trust that you are like exploring new places and like want your favorite places to continue to do well. And I feel the same way, but even as a consumer, like we're becoming more trained to like, we have this expectation now that all of this information is going to be very readily available. And I get annoyed when it's not. Yeah. My, we went on vacation two weeks ago. And again, this is not a multi, it was, it was an aquarium, right? But we wanted to go, or sorry, it was a museum and we wanted to go and we looked on Google and it said, Oh, closed on Wednesdays. Like, I guess we'll, we'll find something else to do that day. And we got in a town and we're like, oh, let's just drive around and see what the town looks like. And we drove by that museum and it was open Wednesdays. And I was like, we could have gone. Like, yeah. I'm so mad. Like, they, lo they lost three tickets that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that becomes like, that's, that's the thing that's going to become, I think, just more and more important as we're able to to search and filter by additional pieces of information. Like, do you have Wi-Fi? You know, is it kid friendly? Like, what is the noise level? Are you open on Wednesdays? Um, are dining rooms open? You know, do you have a double drive through? Like, what's the wait time is another thing that I think has, has been, you know, getting as Google creates all of their database with more information that they have where you can actually search somewhere you've never been and be like, oh, on Wednesdays at 2 p.m., it's the slowest time. So I'll probably just try to go then. I use that function. Yeah, I do too. And it's usually pretty accurate. So how do you, how do you manage, you know, 500 locations worth of data? Like, how do you attack that? 
So um, in terms of, of that, we have been working with a platform for the last couple of years that has, um, has given us a lot more tools. Um, and the way that we have kind of approached that was the first thing we were gonna clean up was our listings, is our basic information accurate? Um, and now really the challenge that we have is educating our franchisees on why this is so important. They have access to this platform. So if you were an AW franchisee, you would have access to a tool that would let you not only change your restaurants, hours and basic information, um, what online ordering services you might use, what delivery services you might use, um, but also see all of your reviews and be able to respond to consumers from one single platform, um, which is pretty powerful. So um, for us, we're really now in that education phase of, of letting people know, um, hey, this is this is a tool that we have available to you. And here's why it's so important to keep that um, in mind, whether it's the restaurant owner or the manager, or the area coach or whoever it is. Um, and so that's really what we're tackling next. And typically we do a lot of um, like regional and state meetings where we can actually travel, get in front of people, be in their restaurants, you know, show them how to download the app on their phone, kind of let them see how easy it is. Um, that's been a little bit of a challenge. Um, and so that's really sort of the, the next phase that we're trying to figure out um, is how to how to really demonstrate to franchisees the importance of this. Um, and I think that the best way that we found so far is I'm like either Google yourself, just Google your restaurant and like see what comes up and if you like what it says. And then also if you are traveling or you're going to a, a new place or whatever it is, try to find information on whatever that specific location is, whether it's a restaurant or a museum or an aquarium. And is that accurate when you show up and how does that make you feel? Yeah, 100%. All right. So I, I want to explore something here deeply. So I like make a joke all the time. They don't call them restaurant marketers. They call them restaurant operators, right? Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like you're teaching your franchisees to do marketing. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's the goal. That's awesome. I, I hear lots of brands be like, no, they're not going to do it. How do you get around like the hump of turning an operator that's a franchisee into a marketer, even if it's five minutes a day? Like, how do you do that? You know, I think the, easy, the easiest way or the way that is just the most um, the most effective, at least that I found is, you know, I like to remind franchisees constantly that the only way that I get paid is if they make money. So, like, we're very much on the same side of things. And I'm aware that, you know, the U.S. is a huge place and the markets are so vastly different. So I live in central Kentucky. Um, I've lived in Michigan before, but I spent the formative years of my life in Southeast Asia. So I am not super familiar with like small town Wisconsin or Iowa or Oklahoma. And I know that our restaurant owners are and they know that their market um, much better than I, I ever could. So what we can really bring to them as a marketing team is here is a vast toolbox. And this is all the stuff that we have available. And depending on what you pull out of that toolbox, that's what we really would like to focus on. But we try to do a ton of follow up and say, OK, we said that you should do some billboards, some local prints some Facebook ads, some email blasts and, and whatever it might be. Three months later, like, how did that work and what can we really focus on that's going to um, make your business grow? But I think that that's a, a good reminder for people, um, especially in the franchise world, is like we are 100 percent on the same team and there's no pride in ownership. So if something that I recommend and I think is really going to work ultimately doesn't work. Like, don't feel like you're going to hurt my feelings by telling me this is a terrible idea and I'm not spending any more money on it. Cool. All right. What can we do that actually is going to work? Awesome. Awesome. Well, Liz, I, I knew you would have incredible things to share. So I'm super grateful for you jumping on, on this with me today and, and sharing some ideas. You, you know, 
there's a reason why you guys had a record year. Like, it wasn't just because you have a drive-through. You know what I mean? I think it's you, you have you're engaged at, at the national level. You're engaged at the franchisee level. Like you guys are a highly engaged team working on success. It, it, it's true, but I think that the real credit honestly goes to why I love restaurants and restaurant people so much. Like restaurant people are entrepreneurs and they're really, <laughs> really scrappy. And so when, you know, push comes to shove and people's backs are against the wall, people really figure out very creative ways of being able to, to keep their business forefront and keep their business running, um, which is which is I think just a testament to the kind of operators that we have and the ones that we hope to attract since we are opening new restaurants. Uh, we would love to get one in your area if you know anyone who's interested. Okay, um, well, I, listen, I would like an A&W near me so I didn't have to drive to Fishkill, New York to get it. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a native Michigander. I can't get Coney's anywhere. So. Right? I know. <laughs> they get this thing called a Texas Wiener, New Jersey. It's not the same. All right. Anyway, so look, we're obviously live here on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Uh, and two of those formats, it'd be easy to find you. But if people want to get in touch with you, what would be the easiest way to do that? Um, the platform that I'm the most active on personally is, is Instagram. You can find me at askpliz uh, is my handle. Um, but if not, I'm also responsive to LinkedIn messages, um, or you can find all of our contact information if you go to our franchising website, which is awfranchising.com. Awesome, man. You, you are omnipresent on the, on the internet. As I like to tell people, I kill lots of internet trees, right? Totally. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Liz. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing this. This is a really great conversation. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Awesome. God bless. Thank you. All right. Bye.